It was, it was an awesome new year. We got to celebrate some things that God had done and, and just look back on 2020. Uh, for the first time in human history, hindsight is 2020. Uh, stick with your preaching, Pastor Chris. That's, yeah, that was a dad joke to start the new year. There you go. There's, this is a new year, and there's a lot of people that are trying to get on track this year. There's a lot of resolutions that are being made right now, and I'm here to remind us. I do this every year, but I just want to remind you, resolutions really are just a wish list of what people would like to see happen. How many of you have ever made a resolution? All right, how many of you have made a resolution that lasted more than a week? <laughs> Come on, there's, there's a lot of people right now that they're wishing, hey, I, I would like to lose weight this year. I would like to make more money this year. I'd, I'd like to get healthier. I'd like to make more friends. I'd like to go sit in a restaurant and eat again. Come on, how many of you are looking forward to some things in 2021? But I want to tell you that resolutions aren't as powerful as setting goals and developing new habits. There, there really is something like resolutions are great wish lists. They're great things that we would want to see happen in our lives, but they don't happen unless we make a plan. They don't happen unless we set some goals from ourselves and, and make some new habits in our lives. And uh, that's what I want to start this month. We're going to do a few weeks talking about habits. What do we do as Christians and why do we do it? We're not doing a bunch of things just to check off some religious checklist and say, oh, look what a good Christian I am. There really is purpose and meaning behind the things that we are supposed to be doing as Christians. And as I was thinking about this series, what's the last thing that you remember somebody saying to you, you should do that because it's good for you? Think about that for a second. How many of you have ever heard that in your life? How many of you are old enough that now you've said it to the next generation? Come on, we, we, we used to hate that when our parents would say it to us, and then we turn around and we say it to our kids. What's the last thing that you remember that somebody said, do it because it's good for you? And it's, it usually is a parent or a well-meaning friend that says it. Was, it. was it eat the broccoli? Was it eat less carbs? Come on, there's a whole bunch of things people have said to us. Was it do the sit-ups, finish the workout? Why? Because it's good for you. Was it write down a budget? Maybe as an adult, there really are some things that are good for us that we need to be doing. Take the classes, go back to school, whatever it is, improve your life. Thankfully, I came across this one this week on the internet. So it must be true because I found it there. Chocolate, it's good for you. Now, I'm pretty sure there was some kind of disclaimer about it being super dark chocolate, but I didn't read that far. I just went to the cabinet and got the M&Ms and the Hershey's Kisses to test it out to see if it was true. But I do want to talk in this series and talking about habits, I do want to talk about a word that sometimes gets a bad rap, and that word is discipline. Everybody say discipline with me. And, and I put it in fancy script on the screen so it would seem less intimidating. How many of you just love the word discipline? Come on. Yeah, like two people in the room raise their hand. Look at your neighbor say, yay for discipline. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was not very convincing at all. And, and I want to tell you this morning that discipline is not a dirty word. Uh, if we don't have discipline in our lives, bad things can happen to us. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 5. It actually says this in the message. Uh, it says, death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. Isn't that an amazing verse to think about? Why discipline would be good for us? We wonder why we're not experiencing the quality of life that Jesus promised to us. We wonder why we can't get ahead, why we keep going around the same mountain over and over again, why we're trapped in a dead end. And it could be because we don't have discipline in our lives. 
We're, we're not putting our hands to something. We're not being disciplined in the way we live. And I think one of the reasons that people don't like discipline is because the, the first definition in the dictionary for what de- discipline is, it says it's control gained by enforcing obedience or order. And we don't like that version of discipline because it implies that somebody else is doing it to us. And, and we kind of bristle at that. We don't like people telling us what to do. Uh, we don't, and I'm, I want to tell you right up front, please don't do the things that we're going to talk about in this series because you feel like I'm forcing you to. Or, oh, Pastor Chris said we have to do this, so I'm going to head and do it. That's not why we discipline ourselves. That's not why we bring self-control into our lives. Uh, we also don't like discipline sometimes because when we talk about it in church, people start feeling like, oh, you're getting into legalism. Or you're talking about works. And we don't like discipline because of that. Don't do the things we're going to talk about in this series because you're trying to earn something from God. You were saved by grace. It was nothing you did in your own effort. There's nothing that you could add to it. Okay? So we're not talking about legalism or we're not talking about works, but we are going to talk about discipline and why it's good for us. So one of the other definitions that was in the dictionary for discipline was self-control. Like it literally said that. That was the second or third definition on the page. It simply said self-control is what discipline is. And Galatians tells us that self-control is one of the things that the Holy Spirit is actively trying to develop in our lives. Can you believe that? That the Holy Spirit is trying to get a little discipline into our lives. He's trying to get some self-control into us. And self-control is more than just not cussing somebody out. Okay? Self-control is more than just, oh, I'm only going to have one cookie and I'll stop there. That's, if, if that's all we think, and those are good things, come on. We don't discount doing those things. Like if, if you're thinking like, oh, Pastor Chris said self-control wasn't cussing at somebody, so on the way home you're going to like let somebody have it because they're slow driving in front of you. Don't do that. It's still a good thing to have self-control in those areas, but it's more. I, I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I want to let Him develop self-control in me. And self-control really is a Christian. It means that we aren't led around by our impulses, our emotions, or our desires. Or the, the Bible word that you may have heard at times is the flesh. Come on, how many of you have ever heard that in a church service before? Don't be led by the flesh. We want to be led by the Spirit. That's really where self-control comes in because self-control is what the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to do to be able to say no when our flesh says, oh, I'd rather do that. Oh, I'd really enjoy that. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, you've got the ability to say no. We heard it in communion this morning. Jesus defeated the power of sin. We don't have to be a slave to sin and do whatever sin says to us anymore. Come on, how many of you know that that's one of the things Jesus did on the cross? We just remembered it when we took the bread and the wine this morning. Self-control is how the Holy Spirit makes that happen in us. And the more I submit myself to the Spirit, the more self-control I actually have. Come on, this is opposite to the way the world thinks, right? The, the world says, oh, just do what you want to do. Put number, number one is you. Look out for me first. How many of you know that the world preaches that message very actively every single day? And it's crazy because in the kingdom, the more I let my feelings and desires run the show, the less self-control I actually have. But the more I submit myself to the Spirit and say, Lord, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I want to cooperate with you. The more self-control I actually get in my life. It's an amazing thing. It doesn't make sense to the world, but you actually have more freedom as a Christian than the people in the world. Because there are a bunch of people walking around who are slaves to sin and slaves to the world, and we have been set free by Jesus. And 
And whether, think about those people in the world, whether it's addictive or compulsive behavior, you have to do more of it if you get engaged in those things. And that's no self-control in our lives. Discipline really is good for us. And I want to give you, this is kind of my working definition that I came up with for this series. This is what I think of when I think of the word discipline, intentionally doing things that you may not want to do to move you towards being who you want to be. How many of you are exactly the person you want to be someday, right now? No hands. For the, for the record, for the camera, if you can't see around the room, no hands in the room went up. We are not the people we want to be. We're not the people we were created to be yet. We're moving towards that, and that's where Jesus comes in to help us, and that's where discipline comes into our lives, because there are things I intentionally choose to do that will move me towards being that person I was created to be. Uh, who we want to be, who we were created to be, who Jesus sees when he looks at us, it doesn't happen by accident. How many of you know somebody that they, they just woke up, didn't do anything to, to get that way, and they're like, oh, suddenly I'm, I'm the greatest person to be around in the world. It just happened by accident. You know, I grew up, my parents never disciplined me. I never read any books. I never learned how to interact with people. But suddenly, by accident, I became the nicest person in the world to be around. It doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. The word, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to this in a later series, but the word to New Life Fellowship for 2021 is change. And I heard, I'll, t I'll tell a quick story of how I got to that, but we'll preach it in a different message. I had, I had COVID earlier this year in July, and I, I lost my sense of smell, and it was the weirdest thing to, to, to have that happen. And uh, it has not returned to the place it was before I got sick. It's, it's so strange. I'll walk in the house, Pam will be cooking something that looks delicious, and I'll, I'll be like, I think something might be cooking, but I can't smell it as well as I used to. So I'm dealing with that and, and trying to figure out what's going on in my health and, and listen. Pam, I get home one day. I said, I can't smell anything. Pam goes to the cupboard. She literally gets out like a jar of peanut butter and unscrews the lid and shoves it under my nose and says, smell this. And I said, I can't. But that's neither here nor there to my story. I'm riding my bike one day on the trail. I'm, I'm riding my bike and I've been praying, Lord, what's the word to our church for 2021? And, and I'm riding down the trail on the bike and all of a sudden I could smell desiccant. And how many of you know what desiccant is? If you're not old enough to have kids yet, you don't have any idea. But desiccant is the stuff that you slather all over the baby's butt to keep them from getting diaper rash. And I'm riding on the trail, and all of a sudden, I could smell like somebody had opened a tube of desiccant and just smeared it under my nose. It was that strong. And all of a sudden, I had this picture of somebody changing a baby. And in that moment, there had been a couple words that I was wrestling with. There were was, there was some really exciting words for the church that I was like, Jesus, could it be that word this year? And I, I heard the word change, and I just knew it in that moment. And I don't know if, come on, how many of you are tired of change after 2020? There, there's been a lot of stuff that we've just been like, okay, we're going to do it this way now. And for me to hear that word, because if, if, if you know anything about my personality, I like things to be smooth and the way they've always been. So I'm not a huge change fan. I know some people that love change. Hey, I'd love to do something different every single day of the week or every hour of the day. That's not me. I'm not a huge change person. So to hear that word, really, to be honest with you, it scares me a little bit is I don't know what Jesus wants to do yet, but I know it's going to be exciting and it's not going to look like what we've done before. 
And so I heard this word change, and I don't know if that means we're going to do things different or Jesus is going to come and help us clean up a bunch of our messes, but it's going to be good. But that's part of this message on discipline is that life, spiritual maturity doesn't happen by accident. There is some intentionality required. There's some change that we have to cooperate with. There may be a bunch of stuff that you want to change this year. And my encouragement to you this morning is just pick one thing and start on it this week. Don't try to change everything at once. Just pick something you can get your arms around and do it. But I do want to talk about change in our lives, discipline, and the things that we do as Christians. That They may seem a little basic to us, but we're going to talk about them in the next few weeks. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says this, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Everybody say training. Ooh, that sounds exciting to me. Uh, instead, train yourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Please, take care of yourself physically because we need you here. I, I think Jesus has plans and purposes. If you survive 2020, he's got things for you to do in 2021, and, and we need you here. So take care of yourself physically, but Paul says there is a training that's even more valuable than your physical training. And he, he calls it this in this verse. He says, train yourselves to be godly. Spiritual maturity isn't automatic. It's a process. It takes discipline. And come on, I already said it. It's not working to be more holy or to be more righteous. Jesus did that on the cross, but we are wanting to grow and to mature in our walk with him. Uh, it really is, spiritual maturity really is realizing and then acting on the truth of what Jesus has already done. We're taking things that he accomplished for us and putting them in our lives. So when we read that verse and Paul says, train yourselves for godliness, what are the things that we're supposed to do to train ourselves for godliness? Anybody have any ideas? We got the kids in the room this morning. These might be kids' Sunday school answers that we get. What do you do to train yourself for godliness as a Christian? I'm, I'm, I'm halfway tempted to ask the kids, like, hey, what's your ideas for that? What are you supposed to do, Reese? Or Jordan's the talker. Jordan, what do we, what do, we do to be more godly? Jordan's the talker. He, what's that? Yes, Jordan just answered for everybody in the room. Uh, Jordan was going to say things like praying and reading your Bible, gathering together with other Christians. Those are the things, they may sound simple, they may sound basic, but those really are the things that we do to help ourselves mature. There is a walk that we have together. We worship together. We do things that help us focus on Jesus. That's part of training for godliness. And today, before we go, I just wanted to real quick touch on the habit of reading our Bible. Come on, that, that may not be rocket science. It may not be the deepest revelation that you've ever had when you came to a church service, but it really is foundational to the rest of our lives as Christians. We, we can't get away from knowing what's in the Word of God. In one of the greatest heroes of the Christian faith was the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this about one of the times he visited a church that he had started in, in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, he says, I decided while I was with you that I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Think about this guy. He was the end-all, be-all of religious guys. He knew Jesus. He had had a vision with him on the road to Damascus. 
got knocked off his horse. He had started churches. He had evangelized the known world. And he tells the people of Corinth, it was only about Jesus. When, when I came to see you, that's all we talked about. It was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I'm going to remind you this morning, remind all of us, that that is exactly why God gave us the Bible, was to know Jesus. It's, come on, there are people that study the Bible as a book of literature, and it never changes their lives. There, there are people that study the Bible looking for secret meanings and hidden codes, and they don't do what's in plain black and white in the Bible, and it never changes them. Come on. There, there are people that study the Bible trying to figure out the future, and they miss how to live in the present. There, there are people that look for sets of rules and principles to live by, and at the end of the day, it really is about knowing Jesus. And you may get some other benefits from knowing Him more. You may find out, oh, there really are promises to stand on in the Word of God. There really are things that we can declare and confess. We sang a song this morning, prophesy your promise. How are you going to prophesy your promise if you don't know what the promises actually are? We, we get all of those things out of the Bible, but the point of it all is to help us know Jesus better. That is the point of it all. If we read the Bible with some other goal in mind than knowing Jesus more, we've missed the point of it. Man, Jesus himself actually said the scriptures were so that we could know him. He was talking to the religious leaders one time in John chapter 5, and he said this, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Come on, how, how much clearer? And, and we didn't have the whole Bible. He was actually talking about the Old Testament when he said that. Have, you ever, have, have we ever sat down to intentionally read the Old Testament with the mindset of, I want to know Jesus more when I read through this. I want to see Jesus in here. Lord, show me something about you reading these stories in the Old Testament. He's, he's pretty clear and, and obvious in the New Testament. They talk about him all the time. But Jesus was actually saying, hey, those scriptures that you've been studying up till my birth, they were all about me. As you meet Jesus in his book, he'll show you that other stuff. He'll give you promises to stand on and truths to build your life on. But it really is about getting to know him. That's the main point. Reading the Bible is not to check off our box on, oh, I'm a, I'm a good Christian because I've done these things. Come on, I'm just I'm trying to be plain, simple, and honest this morning. I know too many people that have done the Christian life and said, look at what a good Christian I am. I, re I read my Bible every day, I pray, I fast, I do these things, and they've missed the point of it being about Jesus. Here's a, here's a verse that was really on my heart this week, Ephesians 3.19. In the New Living Translation, it says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I read that verse and I was thinking, God, I want my life to be full. I want to see the power that comes from God. I want the fullness of life that you have. And it says in that verse that it comes from experiencing the love of God, not from understanding it. Sometimes we read our Bible thinking, I got to get my doctrine straight. I got to get all the boxes checked. I got to have everything in neat little packages. I have to completely understand God and have them defined. That's not the goal of reading the Bible. The, the goal is to know him better, to experience him. When we experience the love of God, that's when we begin to walk in that fullness of life and we see things change for us. We might acquire knowledge along the way, 
but reading the Bible should make his love come alive to us. At times when something, you ever read the Bible and something just jumps off the page at you? It's like, oh, that's awesome. I see you in there, God. Or maybe you're, you're walking through a difficult situation and suddenly a verse comes to your mind. We, we, we've been dealing with stuff at home this morning even that, you know, the verse just came to mind this morning, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Like, like there are things in there because we've read and we've studied and we've encountered Jesus in his book that when you're walking through the stuff that life deals you, it comes alive to you. And they're not just for us. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to, like, you see someone else going through a situation and a verse pops into your head? And you're like, man, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me and what he can do for you. We, we bring comfort in those situations. We bring wholeness and hope and healing to people because we know Jesus, because we've seen him in his book. It will tell us that Bible reading, doesn't that sound glamorous? Just say, I'm excited to read the Bible. Man, I'm going to say it again myself to convince myself that we are excited to do it. I'm excited to read the Bible this year. Like, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to see you. I want to understand you. Um, Reading the Bible doesn't happen by accident. And this is the last thing I'm going to give you this morning. And then we're going to actually do a baptism and and worship a little more on the way out. Uh, But this helps me. So I'm hoping it helps you. You know, if you've been around New Life for a long time, you know I am not the three points, the alliteration guy. But I did have three Ps that I came up with this week that I felt like God dropped in my heart. Uh, these, these are practical tips that you need to do if you want to read the Bible, if you want to make a plan to pray, if you want to make a plan to fast. Put it in your other personal life. If you want to do something with exercise and diet, these things will help you. Uh, the three Ps are plan, partners, and perspective. And the first thing is a plan. If we don't have a plan, it won't happen. Can I just say that and be plain about it? There's been a lot of stuff in my life that I've been well-intentioned about. Oh, I'm going to do that. And I don't make a plan for it, and it doesn't happen. We have to make a plan or it won't happen. And a good plan includes, for Bible reading specifically, a good plan includes a regular time and a regular location. How many of you have ever had seasons in your life where you've carved out a a section of time for Jesus? And it it happens because we've set it aside in our calendar. If we don't plan, it doesn't happen. The second thing on the list is partners. If we don't have friends encouraging us, it's hard to follow through. Do you ever start a goal by yourself and then there's nobody else to encourage you so that goal just goes by the wayside? We need people to encourage us to do those things. So that's that's part of what we're going to do this month is... uh, I'm giving away my action item before I even get to that slide. We're going to read through the book of John together in a month, and we're going to encourage each other to do it. We actually have a little plan of how you could read it in 31 days. It's amazing to read through the book of John in a month. You only got to read about 25 verses a day. Come on, that's, that's like reading the ingredient list on the back of a can. Come on, we take the time to do that. How many carbs are in there? Check the proteins. What's that first uh, ingredient? I can't even pronounce that. It's so long. If, you, if you're reading something with the first ingredient that's so long you can't pronounce it, stop it. Like, go buy something else off the shelf. Come on, we, we, ha- we make excuses. We say things like, oh, it's been forever since I read a book. I'm not a big reader. I, I can't really do that. It's 25 verses that we could do in a day. We spend more time looking at the headlines and scrolling through social media. I think we could read 25 verses a day and read through the book of John in a month. But part of it is we have people to do it with. We have partners that are in it together with us that are going to encourage one another. 
I, I haven't exactly figured out how I'm going to do it yet, but we are going to share. Like if you see something about Jesus you've never seen before, the book of John is amazing. Come on. The guy that wrote the book of John literally wrote in the thing, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he was talking about himself. How did he do that? Because he spent time with Jesus and developed a relationship with him. And that's what you see coming through in the book of John of who Jesus is. We need to see him in there. And so we need partners. We're going to do it together. And the other one is perspective. How many of you know, if you're going to read through the Bible, it doesn't have to be done tomorrow? Thank God. Like, there is time. We've, we've got time to do this together. It doesn't have to be done tomorrow. And you don't have to be an expert to read the Bible. Come on, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to even have a plan. I can't read through the Bible. I'm, I'm not going to a Christian college. You would be amazed at the excuses that you hear sometimes. That's, can I just say that's a dumb one? Is that okay to say? Uh, if you're watching online and you've ever said that, I'm sorry. Maybe the sound cut out for that one. Let's just do it together. We need to read the Bible. You don't have to be a biblical scholar for reading the Bible to have value in your life. There is something about just seeing Jesus simply and easily. So we're going to read. That is our action item. We're going to read through the Gospel of John this month. Uh, actually, in the four, how many of you have a smart device on you? I don't even have mine on my, on my pocket right now. Isn't that amazing? Uh, this might be the long, Pam's like, this is the longest he's ever gone without having his phone right next to him. Uh, if you have a smart device, there's a QR code in the foyer that you can read that's going to pop up a reading plan, 31-day reading plan for the book of John. So you can look at that, and we're going to do it together. Um, and then we're going to share what we see about Jesus in the book of John together. Uh, and I will say, if you're in this room, like I don't, I don't know everybody that's here this morning. If you're a guest with us, thanks for being here. I, I'd look forward to getting to meet everybody and, and hear some stories. I see some family in town for the holidays. It's awesome. Joanna, your family looks awesome. Like, look at that. Um, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, the Bible is kind of a mystery. You can read it, and it doesn't really mean anything. It actually says in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is the one that causes the Bible to be understood. And if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, this is a great day to do that because it will give meaning to what you read in the Scripture. And uh, if you're in this room or you're watching online, I just encourage you, take a minute to make that real with God. If, if this is a day that you need to start that relationship, so just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was for me, that you died and rose again. It says in Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It really is that simple to start that relationship. And then the Bible is what fills in those gaps. It really is the difference between, hey, I stood at an altar, looked into somebody's eyes and said vows to them. That started the relationship, or we already we did have a little bit of a relationship, but that formalized it. And then like that moment, the relationship started, but then walking together for 20-some years, you really get to know that person. And that's really what the Christian life is like. We need a moment, I think, that we can put a mark in the sand, an anchor point to say, that's the moment I believe. That's when I started this relationship. But then we walk with them. We, we read in the Word, and we see them, and we begin to develop that relationship. So if you need to do that today, I just encourage you, uh, please come see one of us before you leave today, or send us a note if you're watching online just to let us know that you started that relationship. We'd love to connect with you and give you some more information. Uh, I'm going to do a baptism right now. Are we okay to do that? You guys still good? Everybody's, everybody's all right? Um, Brandon, come over here by me. That's, that would be good.
Woohoo! Everybody say yay for baptisms. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> What's up, Brandon?